Sometimes when I'd be driving and, you know, pre, pre-smartphone, pre-Spotify, like listening to the radio, you know, and I'd be like, oh, here's a song. I like this song, but I wonder if there's a song I like more, you know, flip through the stations. But, oh, here's one. Maybe is, maybe is there one I love? And then go through all the stations and be like, you know, I actually like the first song the best. Oh, it's over. So oh, no. I, I truly feel like, you know, I mean, there's no, there's no way like there's we ha- we must make choices in life or the choices get made for us Welcome to the Man or Podcast Showing love to both the serial monogamous and the Polly Pockets. This one's for all of y'all. This here is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Welcome, welcome to the show if you're new, and welcome back if you're not. This week on the podcast, I have got on fellow comedian Mike Kaplan. Super funny stand-up. You've seen him everywhere. Late night shows, Last Comic Standing, Netflix. He's around. Including here on this podcast this week, dropping some like pretty serious relationship wisdom. I, I, you know, I didn't know I was going to get that out of the guy. So stay tuned for that in a moment. First, I just, you know, I know I just did a yoga flow. I wanted to get in the zone to record, and yet I still find myself feeling betrayed by English breakfast tea. When I quit my day job to do this podcast full time, Quite a few years ago, I had to start like working out of coffee shops. But here's the thing. I don't drink fucking coffee. Never have. Going to try to never will. And pastries are dangerous, according to everything I toxically learned in dieting culture. So those were scary. And so I needed something I could buy to like earn my seat in this coffee shop for four, five, six hours while I write and edit and send emails and uh, play online backgammon to distract myself, whatever. So I started drinking green tea because it had caffeine and the caffeine would help me focus and I could just keep refilling it with hot water. Now I've got a seat for like, I don't know, 325 plus tip. Sometimes I get the pastry. Depends if I eat breakfast or not. But, but this, that is my coffee shop routine. And for years that, that was like my routine. And I would squeeze every little last drop of herbal deliciousness out of that one tea bag. I'd go up three, four times, get refill the water before I get like a new one. I'd be like, hey, they'd be like, are you, are you even getting anything out of this? I'd be like, I'm not buying another tea bag, and that's my reward. But recently, uh, I started taking some like ADD medication. I, I was on ADD meds as a kid, and then I stopped taking them uh, junior or senior year of high school. Why didn't I want them? Because I watched way too much stand-up comedy. That is not where I'm supposed to gain like philosophical life views from, but that's kind of what I'm a product of. It worked out in some ways. Like there's George Carlin who got me onto sex work decrim because he had that great bit where he goes, selling is legal, fucking is legal. Why isn't selling fucking legal? And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That's a good idea. I'm a registered independent or I'm like registered uh, party unaffiliated to vote uh, because Chris Rock had a bit about how like it was stupid to decide an issue based on the team you're on before you've heard the issue. So he's like, you know, there's some things I'm conservative about. There's some things I'm liberal about. Crime, I'm conservative. Prostitution, I'm liberal. And I was like, that makes sense. I'm 11, but I think that that's a good way to live my life. 
but then worked out in toxic ways. Like, you know, when I was growing up in like middle school, high school era, comedians were making fun of ADD overdiagnosis like wildfire. It was like an easy joke to have. What do you mean he's got ADD because he gets bored listening to grandpa's old stories? And unfortunately, I also internalized that and thought like, oh, yeah, you know, ADD medication, it might be overprescribed and maybe not as big of an issue. Maybe it really is just a matter of willpower and self-control. So maybe I don't actually need this medication. I just want to be able to like do this on my own white knuckle and bad idea. So finally now, you know, whatever, 20 years later, I'm like, okay, I tap out. I don't want to operate with a handicap anymore. Give me the pills. And because I'm taking the pills, I was like, I got to get off the green tea. I got to kick the green tea. I got to tone down on the soda. I got to kick the green tea. So I was like, oh, well, green tea is the one with caffeine. So I'll just go to the non green tea. And so I started drinking like other colored teas, herbal teas and black teas, because I thought they were safe. And with the Trader Joe's a week ago, I bought like a box of chamomile tea, bought a box of English breakfast tea. No big deal. None of them green tea, all kosher. Until this person came over uh, Saturday night, someone I matched with on field. Wasn't really sure if I was attracted or not, but like they're a stoner. I was getting home from a day uh, of work at Exotica. So I was like, you know what? I, I'm down. Hey, want to smoke? Want to meet a new person? Worst case scenario is we just got high and chit chatted, right? Like, and so I was like, all right. So this person comes over, we smoked the weed. And at one point I went to go like make myself a cup of tea. And I told him about like how I got off the English breakfast tea. You see, I thought that this was like fascinating and interesting to listen to, but uh, just as you probably also think, fast forward. And this stranger who I do not know, who is sitting next to me on my couch as I smoke their weed, goes, uh, English breakfast tea definitely has caffeine. I'm like, what? But it's, but it's the black tea. It's not the green tea. They're like, no, it definitely has caffeine. I was like, um, is what? You know, that you're really rocking my worldview. I've, I've spent the last like six weeks thinking that black tea didn't have, what are you talking about? They're like, black tea just had, all black teas have caffeine. Is it count as mansplaining if, if you're non-binary and no, okay, no, it still is? Okay, fine. Can we look this up? Is that insulting? I'm just, this is a real paradigm shift. I, I don't really think I've felt so startled by new information since I learned about affirmative consent. So just, can we, we look it up? And yeah, all black tea has caffeine. I feel lied to. I feel betrayed. I have said this to many a barista who was like, oh yeah, no, no more green tea. Gotta cut down the caffeine. That makes sense. Hey, we got this English bread. Why didn't you tell me? You got few jobs, barista, and one is to know about the teas. Especially some of the, the baristas who serve me tea, who are teas themselves. I'm like, come on, tea, you know about tea. Give me to I don't know how well or not my ADD medication is working because I've had like this unofficial boost from the black tea the last six weeks. We'll see how it goes. But yes, I did in fact just spend maybe about eight minutes on tea. And like, I don't know if I should apologize. We'll see how long this actually ends up being in post, but you know, so, but I don't know. You know what? It was important to me. What I'm saying is if you have any, if you want to send me any herbal teas that have no caffeine in them, uh, hit me up with your recommendations or if I should throw something onto my Amazon wish list. I have no idea if that rant is going to stay in here, folks, but I am going to keep this part in there. So, you know, if you didn't, if, if this is very early in the podcast and you didn't hear a big long rant about tea, 
I probably put that audio on Patreon and you can go enjoy that there. Because for now, I'm going to tell you some show dates, people. Show dates. This is the part of the podcast where I stop talking about tea and I tell you where you can see me do some stand-up comedy in the near future. Montclair, New Jersey, November 5th. I'm going to be at Pineapple Express BBQ because they will let us do comedy almost anywhere. November 9th, I am at Secret Pour in Bushwick. Very cool bar. Very fun show. Should be. November 11th, I'll be at the Producers Club in New York City on the 8 p.m. show. And uh, Los Angeles. Oh, babies. I missed you. LA, I hope to have some more shows coming up soon. But for now, I can tell you that on December 1st, I will be at the uh, Fourth Wall Comedy Club. So stay tuned for that. Put it into your calendars. And a show date that you can attend from wherever you are is our... <coughs> it's a hot movie night. Hot movie night, everybody. Uh, save the date, put in the cow, put it on a post-it. No, set a reminder in your phone. RSVP on Discord. We're doing another hot movie night where Fan Horror Nation comes together and we watch a vintage retro porn. Folks, hot movie night, November 17th, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Save the date now. I'll put a poll up on Patreon so we can all decide uh, what the next movie is that we're going to watch together. And stay tuned for more information. Going to Hacienda this Saturday. I got I still got to figure out my costume. But, uh, but, you know, I wasn't super excited. All it takes is just a little bit of interest to get me excited for an orgy. I just got to know that there's somebody else who is excited that I'm going to be there. And I'm instantly into the idea. It's, you know, I have a thing for people who have a thing for me. I got a message on OnlyFans uh, last week, and Kia is also a creator on the platform, right? Uh, she's she's a faceless creator, though, so I can't see her face. I can see her body. I'm like, that's a hot body, but I have no idea who it is because it's a faceless person. And Kia sends me this message. She says, uh, hi, I met you at a Hacienda party a little while back. Didn't get a chance to spend much time with you, but thought I'd say Hi. She says she's going to be at the next party uh, for Halloween, and uh, she's hoping she runs into me. But again, I don't know who she is. I'm trying to gather enough information, but it's just going to be a bit of a mystery. Dare I say some of the good old stranger play in a way I certainly haven't done it before. And I have like I have like an inkling. I have an idea. I think I know who like which woman I've hit on that this might be based on like, you know, the curvature of uh, these nudes on her page. But I really don't know. All I know is that I'm going to be at the party and somebody is going to like tap my shoulder, grab my hand, grab my ass. I don't know what, but someone is going to flag me down and just be like, hey, I'm Kia. And I'm already going to know that this person thinks that I'm cute and I'm going to know that she doesn't like blowjobs, but she does like giving hand jobs. And like, that's a really great way to start even before you arrive to the party. So stay tuned, I guess. And to think I was like almost not even going to go to this party, but now there's a mystery afoot. I cannot resist. Folks, before I get to this week's guest, Mike Kaplan, uh, let's do a quick fan whore appreciation moment. This is the part of the podcast where I'd like to give a shout out to a member of my fan whore community on Patreon. We love the Patreon people. They are keeping the roof over my head. We very much appreciate you. Patreon is the best way that you can support the pod. If you don't know what Patreon is at this point, 
you living under a rock? What's going on? Patreon is a great way to get bonus content and extra rewards from your favorite creators while you support them making a living doing their art. So I want to give a shout out right now to Kay Winding. Thank you for supporting me and my work on Patreon. Means a whole lot to me. I uh, hope, hope you will be voting in that hot, hot state of yours come November 8th if you have not uh, voted early already. Have fun in Birdtown, man. Thanks for the support. And you too can support the Man Horror Podcast for as little as $2 a month. And if you get yourself an annual membership, hey, you get a nice little discount for paying for it all up top. It's a way, little way I say thanks for the advance. Become a member today. Support the whore boy that you love at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast, Or download the Patreon app and find me on there. Now for this week's guest, comedian Mike Kaplan. I could do a ramble about what I took away from my conversation with Mike, uh, and I will spare everybody that. And I'll try to keep it brief, but... Let's just say, I've, and I, I've, I think I say this in the, in the interview, but I see myself in a place that Mike describes as his past, maybe like five years ago. And he's also a bit older than me. He's in his early 40s, we'll say, I'm in my early 30s. There's something about what Mike shares that reminded me how like, I think I glommed on to non-monogamy at some point over the last eight years. I glommed on the non-monogamy as part of my identity as opposed to like what I wanted to be doing and a, a way I prefer to approach romantic relationships. But more than non-monogamy, I want and wanted when I started this podcast is like a loving, stable, long-term relationship. I want a girlfriend. I want someone who loves me back. I want someone who you know, wants to come home and see me. I want to be someone's priority. I want someone to be mine. And in my previous relationship, I think I lost sight of that at some point. So a lot to think about. We slipped in some laughing parts in the episode. We are two comics. But I mostly kind of tried to sit there and just like absorb what Mike was laying down. So I hope you will do the same. If you're, by the way, if you're, if you're, if you're one of those freakazoids who's listening to this at like two x speed, three x speed, slow it down for this one. Mike speaks plenty fast, so if you were even able to catch this warning in your light speed listening habits, just turn the dial back a bit. I think one x one point five is going to be plenty fast enough for you. Now we do got to do a few commercials, and then I got to share with you my conversation with Mike Kaplan. I feel like like so many things in my life, uh, it, I before it happened, it was more like uh, a fear based on, you know, uncertainty and mm. lack of knowledge. Like, you know, before I went vegetarian, before I became vegan, I was like, oh, no, it's like, it, you know, the the imagination, you know, uh, of what what it's going to be like or, you know, the the worst parts about it right. that uh, you Im- you imagine or I imagine. I was monogamously married in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Then that was part of what led me to decide that monogamy wasn't for me, which is kind of, uh, it's funny. You know how 
a lot of the times, you know, among in like mainstream pop culture and media, uh, I would say that open relationships, more and more today, like there's so many different stories. It's not a monolith and Mm. more more and more people are like understanding that there are many different paths to to happiness in in and out of relationships. There's people who it used to be you would only hear about an open relationship when it failed, you know, like Marjorie Taylor Greene's recently. Sure, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like and I mean, so still, you know, like. I'd say that monogamy is the the prevailing uh, overarching desire for uh, at least publicly most people in our country. Most people uh, are socially monogamous at least. And so because of that, like the same way that with with weed, you know, before weed was like as legal as it is now. And even still, I think, you know, I read like years ago is like half of the people, uh, half of the people in our country have smoked weed, do smoke weed, and yet somehow the legality of it, like, it's not that the other half are actively campaigning against it. It's a a small vocal minority. It's the alcohol lobby. It's whatever Mm. it is. Uh, But, you know, so many people are just like, I'm private. I'm fine privately smoking weed and not going out in the streets and not picketing for not announcing it. So obviously throughout the last, you know, stoners are not really known for like active actions like protesting. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, And and for, you know, obviously the whiter you are, the the less it impacted you in, you know, a severe legal way, like statistically speaking. And I'm glad that that's the awareness around this is changing as well, and people are, you know, fighting for weed justice, like it's important. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the issue of there were people who are smoking weed, and you don't know about it because you don't have to know about it because they're not talking about it, and it, other than that, didn't matter. Not your business. And same thing for open relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, there's tons of people who are just like, I mean... For, again, probably good reasons, similar to weed, as like, you could get fired from various jobs, you could be stigmatized in your community, you could be judged by your family, whatever it might be. You're like, well, we don't have to tell people, so we'll we'll just do it. So there's fired from your job by someone who probably is also doing the same thing. Oh, sure. But it's like, oh, well, we can't have people know, like, people don't know I do the thing, whether it's open relationship or weed, but we can't let people know that our company employs someone like us, but you're the only one who's out about it i have a cousin who uh at a time in the past was like a a manager at a strip club and at one point there was a hasidic jew or a person dressed you know an orthodox jew well Uh, you know some people just like to you know dress up yeah somebody somebody was there seemed to be if you had to someone was undercover uh, as a hasidic occam's razor yeah (laughs) undercover uh dressed as a jew uh and then like another identically dressed fella walks in and this guy who's in there is to my cousin he's like you gotta you, do you have a back way you gotta get me out of here like mm. i can't let him see me here i'm like he's here too yeah. like you don't you uh, can you guys not he's like mm, you know no. but uh so this is all to say uh it used to be that uh you would you more often than not hear about an open relationship the big news would be like oh no it didn't work mm-hmm. and then you know a lot of people would jump to the false conclusion of i guess they don't work because the only ones i'm hearing about don't work but that's because you don't hear about the ones that work mm-hmm. and so weirdly for me i thought the opposite when like here's the thing most people are like you know when a monogamous relationship doesn't work yeah. most people aren't like i guess monogamy doesn't right. work but that's what i thought mm-hmm. that's truly <laughs> like when i was in my you know mid to late 20s i i now know looking back i'm like oh that 
that relationship, we she's a a lovely person. We just weren't compatible. It was the first relationship I had that lasted more than a year, you know. And so I was like, well, I guess this is this is forever, right? That's what I'm told by society and fairy tales. Mm -hmm. And uh, but then after I was like, well, my forever relationship didn't work, so I guess I I can't do. And so and then. I mean, is that daunting in the moment, by the way, to like, if you think that's the forever thing and it fails, do you think like there won't be another one that like that? I did. I I would say it didn't feel daunting, but I did. The the latter part of what you said was how it felt. I was I truly did think I'm like, oh, no, like what? What if I it took me. In my mind, I'm like, it took me 25 years to find this person. Like, how am I going to find it? Not that I was, like, looking when I was 2, right. 7, <laughs> <Yeah>. 12. <laughs> we still count those years for some reason. but Yeah. I was oh, my God. Really striking out on the playground. Yeah. There. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely, I think, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate that I've had a lot of, you know, meaningful, successful relationships, monogamous and otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, all, you know, I'd say... The longest relationship I had, like, my marriage was about three years total. Mm. Uh, then I was dating a woman when I moved to New York, about two and a half years. And then the woman I dated before my current girlfriend was also about two, two and a half years. And so, like, I'd never... And now my, my girlfriend that I've been with now uh, since 2016 has been, like, almost six and a half years. And, like, you know, going strong and as, mm. like, our desire is for as forever as possible. But uh, so I've, I've had... Uh, these, you know, enough experience now that I can look back and be like, you know, even ev- any time a relationship ended, I it was usually one. I mean, most of them were good. Most of them, I was like, I was happy to be in it. But then, one woman, uh, one woman at a time that I didn't want monogamy wanted monogamy. One woman wanted children at a time that I didn't and still don't want children. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know, all var- one woman moved away and it was too far to make something meaningful work like all you know reasonable reasons for things to end but uh a lot of the time i was like oh no like what if i you know i I never thought like they were the only person possible Mm -hmm. but it was like you know it was a meaningful loss i'm like oh oh, this is like and you never know like at some point in a human incarnation that is limited you will be with the last person that you're going to be with Mm -hmm. you know in a relationship you never know we never know how long we're going to live like every moment that we're alive is uh a blessing in a way uh atheistic or otherwise (laughs) um like when you're just like oh i'm never gonna find anyone it's like no it's just a matter of will you have enough time left on this earth to find another if you with enough time You'll find somewhere. Oh yeah, if if they keep if they keep cranking out humans, you yep. know, like I I hear that uh, the population of China, if you walk by them, you'll never get to the end because of how much the population increases per time it takes you to walk. Tell so that to same boat, okay? He will <laughs> challenge that. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, and so the point is, I guess to get to your question specifically. This one, yeah, I, when I, when I was getting out of my marriage, I was, that was before I'd had, you know, any measure of successful, my relationship at that point ended at six months, three months, like, and I was like, oh no, like, how will I ever, you know, when I was 12, I was like, I've never even kissed a girl, how will I get married, Uh you know, like, when I was getting out of my marriage, I'm like, oh no, how will I ever get married again, (laughs) uh, and I'm not, I'm not a big, uh, oh no person in general but you know when i'm like i'm like hey things are going pretty good oh oh no you know mm-hmm. fall off a cliff um but yeah then i realized i learned that initially 
like non-monogamy made a lot of sense because I was like, oh, there's there's so many people in the world. Mm-hmm. I was like a maximalist, you know. I was like, I I I thought about monogamy in terms of like, you know, what if I if I commit to one person and then I meet another amazing person that I would be able to have like a deep connection with or whatever kind of connection with. Like, and so I didn't want to make that commitment at the time getting to my girlfriend. Now my relationship now I have come to not feel that way in part because any, any time that I'm not spending with my girlfriend for any reason is time that I'm not spending with my girl. Like I love, I love her. I love spending time with her. I love the fact that, you know, my thought about non-monogamy was like, oh, like, like variety appealed, mm-hmm. you know, like you don't want to just be with one person, but one person, like if it's a right person, if it's, you know, a person who resonates with you, who aligns with you, who you can, who you love spending time with as, as much as possible, you're also, it's not, nobody's fixed, you know, mm-hmm. like the person that I was six years ago is very different than the person that I am now. The person that she was six years ago is very different than the person that she is now. Like we both do a lot of reading and it's like, I'm like, if I were, you were always <laughs> reading. Come on now. <laughs> I was, but over throughout through the pandemic. So actually, in 2018, I went to Edinburgh uh, to do the Fringe Fest for the first time, and Rini, my girlfriend, came with me. And that was she had been working retail for the last several years, and she wanted to stop and did. And the opportunity to go with me, you know, for you know most of the month of August 2018, she was like, "I'm gonna stop working here. I'm gonna come with you. I'll get another job at some point." Uh, and while we were there, she found these, like, this company, Macmillan Publishing. They, they print, print these, like, beautiful little books. Like, she tried to read Moby Dick, uh, many times in her life, but it was, like, big, daunting copies. And she found this tiny, cute copy with, like, the thinnest pages. And she's like, oh, look at this. It's a tiny little, like, it's not, it's not a big, threatening whale of a book. And just for whatever reason, like, she loves, she loves the feel of those little books. And she embarked upon, uh, a process to uh, a journey to read like the top hundred classics, you know, like that, you know, you look at there's no, uh, lists all over the Internet, sure. but a lot of a lot of common books if you. And so I think, you know, in I forget which year it was that she what you know, didn't have uh, a full time job and just like her full time job was reading. So like she read like 200 books in a year, over 100 books in a year. And oh like God. I wasn't reading at that level, but in part uh, I, you know, sort of rubbed off on me that I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up reading. I love reading. And yet I also, I was like, yeah, I read a lot of covers and headlines. And, uh, but I also was watching a ton of TV and listening to podcasts and music. And again, the maximalist tendency in me is like, I want to, here's maybe an analogy to the relationship situation is I remember, uh, like I loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, when I, when it came out, I was watching it. And I didn't watch it right away, so, like, I had to catch up when they started putting out, like, first VHS tapes, you know, in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. They didn't even have – they put out a box set that wasn't the complete seasons. It was just three tapes with two episodes each on them. There's some people just Googling VHS right now. (laughs) We had to to explain the concept of a check – 
on uh, my episode that comes out tomorrow. Really? Like, she brought up checks, and we we had to like stop and be like, I think we need to explain what a check is. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, so pre DVD, I'm people still sure. know DVDs, I, um, <laughs> but uh, eventually, so it was weird that you could just get like half a season, and I was like, oh, this is so great. These are six yeah. episodes out of twelve or twenty two. Anyway. Eventually, they had all the DVDs, and you could, and now, now you can get. It's so rare if you're like, "Wow, I can't find this show on any of the platforms." Like now, you know, you might need to find a bunch of friends who have a bunch of different passwords <laughs> if you don't want to pay a hundred dollars to have a month to get all the streams. But like, we live in this, you know, magical time where everything is available, and. Compared to, like, my grandmother told me she would go to the movies every week, go to the movie theater every week, right. and there'd be one new movie a week. And, like, she saw all the movies, you know, at that all the movies possible. And then at a certain point, that became impossible. And to me, the, the, the recovering maximalist, it was actually helpful for me when I realized some years ago that I'm like, I won't be able to watch... Even all of the good things, even all of the things that I would love because of the limited time that I like, I won't be able to spend all the time with all of my good friends and see all of the sunsets and read all of the great books and all of the recommended the music that I would love and the TV shows and the movies. And similarly, of course, there are tons of people in the world who if I met them and I was single, uh, then I might be able to have, you know, a, a loving relationship that was meaningful and long lasting uh, or whatever kind. Uh, and now I know like but here's another analogy with music. I, I remember driving around once uh, whenever the, the Mariah. I just like how you didn't conclude the analogy where it's like, but what I'm trying to say is I just won't have time to fuck all the people <laughs> in the world who would fuck me. So uh, that, I have to accept that. Yeah, you, you get it. It's, it's implied. Uh, I, I accept it. And uh, and I do have time to love all the people in the world who would love me just, you know, from over here. Uh, Ma- Mariah Carey's song Hero, I think, was out some, you know, sometime when I was a, a drive driving around in my car. Uh, and it was, I remember it was like, or like flipping around like MTV, MTV2, VH1. There's one time when it was like on all the channel, I was like trying to see, are there different songs? Whatever it is. Sometimes when I'd be driving and, you know, pre, pre smartphone, pre Spotify, like listening to the radio, you know, and I'd be like, oh, here's a song. I like this song, but I wonder if there's a song I like more, you know, flip through the stations. But, oh, here's one. Maybe is, maybe is there one I love? And then. Go through all the stations and be like, you know, I actually like the first song the best. Oh, it's over. So I I truly feel like, you know, I mean, there's no, there's no way like there's, we have, we must make choices in life or the choices get made for us. Like you Mm. can't raise a child and also know what it's like to never raise a child. You can't Mm. have no kids and one kid or maybe Schrodinger, you know, like truly you, for these big things, you, you can't be, I mean, I was going to say, you can't be monogamous and non-monogamous at the same time, but I have in a lifetime now sure. uh, experienced non-monogamy and its values and, you know, and its challenges. And I now am experiencing monogamy in a way that, again, I was like, it, I, I was uncertain of how it would be, of how it would feel. But 
due to the discussions that I was having with with my partner, with my girlfriend, this woman who I love so much and want to be with forever, there were things about non-monogamy that weren't working for us. And it's it used to be that I would have sort of as a parameter, as like a filter on a relationship. I'm like, well, I, I'm doing, I want to be in an open relationship. So if you don't want that, then we shouldn't be together. Like, when they would ask you why, how would you answer? I mean... That's a good question. I wonder if anyone did ask me why, but I guess since you're asking, if I can put myself back into you never, the place. You don't, you don't think uh, you haven't had like uh, women, whether it's on first dates or where someone who, like I've dated people who are monogamy, had only experienced monogamy and were trying to understand why I wanted to do it in this other way. Sure. And I, so it was a question I've been asked whether it's on first date or, you know, four months in. That's a, I'd be surprised yeah. if a woman hasn't asked you that. Oh, yeah. I, I'd also, I'm sure that it has happened. I'm, I don't remember any specific sure. discussions, but I remember there's a, a friend of mine in LA named Emery Emery. And, uh, he at the time was also a, uh, an open relationship fella. I think I had him, I had a whole podcast with him, Aaron Judge and Baron Vaughn at the time, wow. all, uh, you know, we were all, I think we were answering questions that people had written in about open relationship stuff years ago. And I remember er- er- Emery gave this uh, nice analogy uh, that was kind of about, you know, compersion and kind of about just like, he's like, if I'm in a relationship, uh, like monogamous or otherwise, like if my partner goes and gets a massage uh, and that makes her feel good, then... I want her to have that. I want her to have that good feeling. And if I go get a massage, like she wants me to have that good feeling. And like for for them, for him, it was also like that made sense sexually as well. That made sense like emotionally with other partners as well. Like obviously, you know, time management might come into uh-huh. things, but certainly there's so many models, of course, I don't have to tell you of like, you know, there've been times in my life where I was like, you know, dating one person essentially socially monogamous like while in new york but while on the road if i you know met someone for a night that's fine or if there were particular towns uh where like oh i have a a dear old friend that sometimes if we're both single or if we're both available we would get together and it would be a friendship plus you know yeah uh, I don't know if there's any particular word for that, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, but th- I mean, those are my preferred types of things. So yeah, whatever, whatever we call them, I'm, cause fuck buddy doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel right when there's actual, the yeah. friendship is the core. Yeah, friendship deluxe. Yeah. Friendship <laughs> deluxe, yes. Uh, and so. <laughs> Tweet that at Dan. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I went on, uh, so I'm a, a Magnum subscriber to Dan's, uh, Dan Savage's podcast. And so I sometimes go to the. Uh, you know, the monthly the sack lunch. Yeah, the sack lunch zooms that he has now. And I did, uh, get to weigh in on an answer to a question once. And I said something that he was like, oh, that's good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that. And it was, I think the question was about, uh, how, how frequently or how soon someone texts back in either in a relationship or when you're dating someone or starting dating. And, uh, when I've been actually, when I started seeing the woman that I'm seeing now, uh, she told me from from the get go, like she was working, you know, sometimes on her feet nine hours a day without her phone, you know, just like in sales, couldn't have the phone on her except for lunch or whatever. And she's like, and also she's like, sometimes I might not text back in three days, you know, and and she's like, I, just, I want you to know, like, I like you. Uh, and also, so don't don't 
read into that mm. because some people may like haven't heard back in three days. Like, what does that even mean? Uh, what, what what are you trying to tell me? And she's like, I'm trying to I'm trying to tell you that uh, I like you and might not text you in three days. And so I brought up, uh, I think, the the term texting libido. You know, everyone has a different, like, in some relationships, it's like, oh, if you don't text the person at least every day, in the morning, in the night, like, that means maybe there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe, oh, what's what's going on, you know? And so I think whatever it is, like like a, like a classic, libido classic, you know, uh, like, you want to be with somebody who at least is, you know, in your same ballpark, or at least, you know, there's some measure of understanding and communication about you know uh, if you're in a relationship with a person you, you want the all of the ways that you relate to be uh either discussed or you know alignable in mm-hmm. some way um and so anyway that is that was uh, it was a, a pleasure dan's been one of my favorite people for such a long time it was great to sure. also uh we share a birthday it's not important oh. it doesn't mean <laughs> doesn't mean anything but we you're just saying if birth. you want to yeah. ever share birthday parties <laughs> like i'd be willing to share daniel if we can you know we'll go halves on a place if mm-hmm. you want <laughs> uh okay so i'm certainly in the middle of something I, the, <laughs> the main the main point is that uh, oh, yeah. So the open if somebody asked me, like, why open relationships, I, I think I would just say truly because I've had other friends who have been in open marriages in long term open relationships who still are. And the idea, like, I think the fear that people who've never experienced it and don't understand it or don't want it, which is totally fine to not want, uh, is it seems like while time while time is limited, it has the impression that like, that love is limited in some way that'd be like, Oh, like, but if you, if you love that person, like, does that mean that you, that the love is diluted that you have for me? And, you know, I feel like to that, I would always say like, you know, if somebody has two children, never, we never throw that one at them. (laughs) But if you do, sometimes you run into somebody sad enough to like, actually, my dad did love me less. So fair, but (laughs) certainly optim, optimally, ideally, that is, that is not how that is not, not how a finite works. Re- it's not a finite yeah. resource. Exactly. And in fact, I remember I had this couple friend that when they were get when they were together for many years in a happy uh not monogamous relationship, uh they were like in fact loving other people hel- it felt like it was additive even, mm-hmm. not that it was limited, but that it inc- the love It was like a multiplier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The love that they shared like if they if they talk to each a other about bonus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we're just pulling up various video game terms. <laughs> but yeah, so that is yeah, if somebody were to ask me, you know, uh what what is it that you want about I mean it was I think it would just be about wanting to be uh you know, loving with as many people uh at, like to just to have to have there be more love, to have there be the most love possible. And and I, I for people who want that model like i think that still makes complete sense if that if that resonates with you then go for it and if you find a person or people who want that then that's the best we all get to individually determine like what's important to us and and who's important to us and how and so when my girlfriend and i uh decided to uh be in a monogamous uh committed relationship in this way uh i was like well i mean I I love you and I want to be with you and let's do this. And obviously 
no relationship is like mandatorily like we're even you know you get married you can get divorced you move in with somebody you can move out like nothing is irrevocable uh and that's just like an intellectual thing that's true uh and and i but so since for the many years that since that decision was made, I feel like every every day, every year, uh, every moment, it's like it confirms that I'm like, yep, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'm happy with us doing what we're doing. Like we're both. Uh, I forget the exact uh, like framing that my my girlfriend I think either read a book or heard a podcast or something about the idea that in some relationships there's like another kind of like you know sort of metaphorical libido for like how comfortable you you each person is with like discomfort or how uh like if if somebody is feeling like oh this is a little amiss like you know some people will let that go for months uh mm-hmm. and then it'll like you know snowball and then become a big blowout and that is we we are the opposite you know mm-hmm. if if one of us has uh a challenge if one of us is experiencing something that we're like well this is not the way that I want to feel or not the way that I wish things were like we tell each other we mm. and so I feel like that's something that radical idea you talk to your girlfriend <laughs> I that's... don't mean to blow anyone's mind with my controversial relationship <laughs> tips but like I speak with her on occasion <laughs> I mean and I'll, I'll say I don't know what everybody else is doing but I do know what I was doing before I mean I know that like when I was 20 I was date. I was in college, and I was dating a woman for about six months. And I remember at around the three month part, at the three month point, th- that's when I started like developing like doubts and like when I, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is the right relationship. I don't. But at first, the doubt was so small that I was like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring it up because I feel like that would freak her out if I was like, I've had these doubts, you know. Uh, I, well, I'll wait until I'm like more certain. And so then I would just outwardly be loving because I did love her. Mm. But I also then like the seed of doubt grew and grew until, you know, a couple months later, I was like, I think we have to break up. And she's like, this is a big surprise to me, you know. And so, you know, eventually I would learn, you know, I feel like I think that the relationship that I had when I moved to New York I was like, you know, around 30, uh, just about, you know, 30, 31, 32. Uh, and I, I remember in that relationship, that is a relationship where I like learned to, I think, fight or argue or, you know, have, have not necessarily the most pleasant, but important back and forths, like more effectively. Mm. Like, cause I mean, I'm, I'm a good arguer when <laughs> I want to be. And there are times <laughs> when that seems like it's valuable to do. And then there's times where I'm like, well, maybe that energy isn't best spent in this way being right isn't helpful here oh, i mean i am yeah. right but that's not helpful at the moment yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i struggle with similar things. oh yeah i i talk about it on stage sometimes and i i came to a place where i was like it is fun to be right but it's more right to be fun yeah you know yes Oh, and I have a like I have, you know, decades of experience not being fun. So I'm trying something new these days. Mm. Like, like I had a, I, I shared this. I have a friend, a, a friend deluxe mm-hmm. who 
she had a date last week and I, like at one point the guy ended up they ended up getting this argument about the male privilege mm-hmm. and she ends up having to like, explain it to him for like 45 minutes and again this argument by the end of it he does kind of go like oh yeah okay i guess you're right actually see it that way and then he, then he goes um so like can we like go back to this like fun flirty wine date and she's like bro i'm exhausted you need to leave it's <laughs> like yeah it, like it was like and he was wrong i was arguing not necessary oh yeah i mean and so much of it i I got so much energy back, so much space in my life. Oh my gosh, uh, yeah, the energy uh, you get back. And in especially in relationships, but even like, you know, I used to engage with Facebook strangers for way longer. And I've had yeah. some valuable exchanges like with people who are, you know, respectful but disagree on certain matters, but there were some people that I was spending like I'll give you now I'll give you like one back and forth and if you're an asshole then i'll stop you know Mm -hmm. like i'll say the thing that i believe is true and kind and if that's not you know except if if people aren't coming to you in the same good faith way then you're you're not going to convince them and you're just going to waste your life in a relationship with a person where the goal is that you want to enjoy your life with them enjoy Mm -hmm. your time with them like if you're spending you know too large a portion of that like uh, arguing with them, then I mean, f- look within first, and then if if that doesn't help, then uh, then look without. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's 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 I've wasted so much time in a good relationship. I've I've wasted so much time with a good woman arguing, uh, where like even though I'm like whether or not I'm right, it just it wasn't going to add anything to my life. It wasn't going to make me happier, and then just like aggregate, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, I've learned so many things. Like you know, my girlfriend is. Uh, sweet and kind and wise and uh you know spending time with her like every once in a while like i i feel like i get more activated if i'm like if i haven't eaten recently if i haven't mm-hmm. had enough water uh she sometimes if she hasn't had enough sleep will mm-hmm. like we 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 all have these physical sure. life needs and you know she'll sometimes uh help do do her best to inquire curiously and gently if i if i have you know a tone that i wouldn't have at my best you know like i could i could be correct about what i'm saying but that still doesn't mean and i feel like just the other day i like felt myself i'm like oh maybe i haven't eaten Mm. and maybe she just woke up i'll just i'll back away and i'll have something to eat and i'll and i'm like well and eventually we always one of our like nice relationship sort of tropes or like one of our like our themes is like to just always assume best intentions mm. on the part of the other person because we we absolutely at our best we, and all the time like we, we want i want her to be happy i want her to be fulfilled uh, i want her life to have meaning you i want, trust that she wants the same for you a hundred percent and so if there's any time that that's not apparent like then clearly something something there's some got come cog in the wheel Cog in the gear. I don't know. I, I'm not good with. I'm not good with physical analogy. Something's wrong. Yeah. Uh, have you eaten today? Are you okay? Uh, that's. Uh, okay. I'm drinking water right now. I'm doing good, and I actually have eaten uh, less than normal. But uh, then I will not argue with you <laughs> on this one. <laughs> no, I, I feel good. But um, that is something that is so valuable that I mean, I now know that I've been in relationships where. Where I, I couldn't say that that was necessarily the case on, on either side, that like I, 
even this framing is new in this relationship to be like, oh, yeah, like, of course, you want to be with someone. I hope I assume you want to be uh, I want to be with someone mm. who wants the best for me and that they want and vice versa and that we work together to make that happen. And like, I feel like truly the same way now that like so to get back to like the the metaphor and literal like the joy of monogamy that I feel now is there's. Like, I, I, I feel like I do get my, my need for, like, different experiences to be met by, number one, the ever-changing outside world and sure. internal life and, you know, art, comedy, music, podcast, friendships, and, you know, the changing human being that I am and my girlfriend is to the point that, like, there's authors that... I might never read everything of, even though I love them, yeah. and and yet sometimes I'll start a new book. But I'm like, oh, maybe maybe this will be new favorite book or author. But I'm like, now I've gotten much better at uh, putting a book down. Putting like I put down, I started reading a comic book today, and it didn't. Gra- I I read two comic books today that I got from the library. One really grabbed me. It was super exciting. It's called The Nice House on the Lake by James Tinian, I think. is I don't know if that's pronounced right. Okay. I'm just saying it. T-Y-N-I-O-N. It's kind of like Lost. I don't want to spoil it, but it's like a beautiful... It's beautiful. And it's not like the normal thing I would... Not my normal genre. It's like suspense, like yeah. bordering on horror. But uh, it's like... It's just so... It grabbed me and I just read it. And then I started reading something else and it doesn't even matter what it is, but I was like... It was like critically acclaimed... And that's why I checked it out. It sure. looked good. And I started reading it and it didn't grab me. And I'm like, well, there's so many things that do and can grab me. And and I want to spend my time with, if I can, like until I run out of those. Yeah. It's uh, not a homework assignment. You don't have to finish it. No, uh, it's, yeah. it's so, but I, I'm like. Realizing a, that about uh, movies? Yeah. Life changing. Oh, yeah. I used to not walk out of anything. I'd be like, I will sit fucking through this. I don't care if I hate it. I will sit here and I will actively hate the whole time. But I was like, you know, I see Dunkirk and I'm just like, I don't have to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's been an hour. Yeah. They've said 17 words this whole time. I don't need to say, I'm good. I know how it ends. If I want to see that big cinematic moment where a bunch of boats come to the rescue, I'll go watch, you know, Pirate Radio or whatever that movie was. Oh, yeah. I'll, that's much better. Uh, so, so yeah, no, the idea of like, don't let it suck your time. Yeah. It's not bringing you joy. Yeah. The opposite of the Snyder cut. You just do a, a version of it where it's just the, the three minutes that you love. I know, yeah. I know Nolan is doing three hours building to that. So like, I'm good, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, the, the sunk cost fallacy is mm-hmm. the, the name for it. Like we, of course we're human beings. Like if we invest our time, our money, our attention in something like, we we might feel like shame or like we've wasted our time but you know throwing good money you don't get back the time that you wasted you don't get yeah. back the money that you've already spent uh and so i mean i'm just like i like art when art art grabs me i i grab it back and when my this love grabs me and i'm grab and i'm just like i'm uh i'm maximizing my time uh, Something I, you know makes you happy. Lo- yeah, for forever. Yeah, it's love, making me so think far. Of yeah, earlier when you were talking about having to make a decision and pick, and if you're going through all the songs on the radio, and then you're like, actually, it was the first one. That first one's gone. When my girlfriend, we we when we met, we started dating, uh, and we weren't uh, dating monogamously. Like you know, we were seeing other people, and we sure. were and very you know open about it. 
with each other. We would you know, maybe see each other once a week, and she would tell me about some of the dates that she'd been on, and I would tell her about the other dates that I've been on. And and was it like an official? Like was it like you're you're my boyfriend, you're my girlfriend? No, we were. It was just you yeah. were casually dating, yeah. and therefore also dating others. And so that was maybe six six mo- five months, maybe sure. five six months, and then at a point she wanted monogamy. Uh, and knew that that wasn't on offer for me at the time. And there was another guy that she had been seeing who she was like, I'm going to start seeing this guy monogamously. And I was like, okay. And I mean, there were kind of red flags about him and he did turn out to be uh, not a good partner. He turned out to be emotionally abusive. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that she, she spent a few months with him and then stopped and then got back in touch with me. And that's when we, uh, began our relationship proper when she says that <clears throat> she's like i'm gonna go with the other guy because he can do this my version of settling down how'd that feel it didn't feel great well, uh, I, I mean at minimum i would imagine that yeah i mean that uh, i was telling a friend about it like sort of after it happened and he was like that could be a joke the thing that you just said and so i don't tell it much uh sounds but, like a sad joke oh yeah yeah but the we had this really beautiful conversation, like the last conversation we had before she kind of disappeared into that relationship. She uh, chose another song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I thought that we would like at least be, you know, in touch as friends. But part of the relationship was he didn't like me sure. and didn't want her in touch with me. Yep. And so, like, I feel like through the, you know, the three or four months that they were together. Doesn't uh, want her watching your specials. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, uh, like, I, re- I would reach out to her, you know, every, like, as respectfully every once in a while, like, just wishing her well. And yeah. uh, she w- maybe wrote back once in the several months. Uh, and that, you know, it, I was like, I, I hope she's happy. I'm, I was sad to find out that she wasn't. I'm glad to find out that she got out. But the last conversation we had before we parted that, that initial time and only time. Uh, we had this like beautiful conversation where I feel like we were we weren't in a relationship. We were in love at that point. Like we loved each other mm-hmm. and just wanted at that time different things. And and I I honestly thought that she was like, you know, I I like you better than this guy, but I want to be in this situation. And obviously, you know, maybe I only have what she was telling me. I think she's a pretty reliable narrator and I can like we we care about each other. We loved each other the yeah. whole time. And I I left thinking like, oh, yeah, I don't think she's going to go off and be with that guy. But she did. And I was telling this friend, I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't know all I could do is, like, tell her what I could offer her and accept what she was saying to me. Like, I couldn't I, – I, I felt I couldn't say to her, don't go off and be with that guy, the controlling mean guy. Stay with me, the controlling nice guy. <laughs> So I I mean part I guess in part like that time that we spent apart was like informative like uh, informative for both of us because like when she returned uh we we were like oh yeah we are together and uh then like and that led to like discussions about how we were going to be together ultimately and I I realized and yeah oh great I think this is going to conclude a thread that I began <laughs> earlier, um, at the time when I would yeah because you asked me a question as I started saying this and I I'm appreciated the question but here to return to when I was you know 
from, let's see, I was, I moved to New York 2000, I, I was married 2005, 2007, moved to New York 2008, uh, dated somebody else monogamously pretty much from 2008 to 2010. And then after that, I was like, now I really want to explore open relationships. I really, I'm going to make that a priority. Mm-hmm. Like, even if there's a really cool person, like I dated a really cool person who wanted to be monogamous and I, I was like, I'll, I'll do, you're really cool. I'll do it. But I want you to know that, like, ultimately, that's not the model that I'm looking for. Mm. And so I was like, maybe we'll try monogamy. And, like, maybe after a certain amount of time, maybe we'll revisit the topic. Sure. And we revisited it and then stopped being together. Sure. And so it was just – it was – I don't know if this is the right analogy, an itch I needed to scratch. Like, to I, – I really needed to try. Like, there's a, you, you know, need to you, you didn't want to know – you need to know if that was a lifestyle you needed to live. Yes, exactly. And – in this, do you know the uh, the sort of the Buddhist idea of chop wood carry water? It's uh, before enlightenment, chop wood carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood carry water. And so, for example, like in comedy, if somebody's like, "How do you do comedy?" and you're like, "Well, you just you get up as much as you can, you write as much as you can, you write and perform and write and perform and write and perform and write and perform." And you're like, but, and then what? Like, then, then you'll know. Like, just do that for five years. Do that for 10 years. Do that for as long as possible. Yeah, keep, please, uh, keep up in the years. I just want to make sure. uh, I was like, no, I'm supposed to keep going. Okay, cool. Yeah, (laughs) at at least 10, 15, 20, whatever you got. At a certain point for me and a certain point for a lot of people, you're like, oh, like, I at least think I know what I'm doing a little bit more than I did before. Like, when I started, I was like, I don't know anything. Now I know something. And now, okay, now that I know something, like the equivalent in the the analogy of enlightenment, not that Mm -hmm. it's not total. Now that you know something, go chop more wood, carry more water. That's all there is to do is just to keep doing that thing, the equivalent of that thing. And so I feel like now I was previously, I was only monogamous by default, you know, because that's what, you know, my original run at it, uh, when I got, when I was dating people, when I was married in my twenties, I was like, well, I think I'm, I'm being monogamous cause I'm supposed to. And then I was like, well, that's, that was the chopping wood and carrying water that I am now monogamous in a much more informed way. Having mm. had the experience, having had the, the comparison. And so while in the middle, when I was being open, it was important to commit to the structure of openness more than to commit to a person monogamously, uh, because that was it w- was Not important for me to find out that uh, like the way how do I want to live? I need to try the way that I think I want to live to figure out is this important to me? Is this the thing that I need? And it's funny because there's you know all kinds of people. Like who say things like, and some said to me, like, when you meet the right person, you'll know. When you meet the, and I'm like, I don't think that's necessarily true for everybody. In my case, coincidentally, it turns out to be true that I met this person. And the reason that I wanted to be in open relationships was to be like, make sure that I am available when like, you know, the... The art that grabs me, the heart that grabs me, mm-hmm. like is there. And I and I'm like, oh, this is this is the person. This is my partner. This is my life. This is my love. Enjoy this song before you come back around and it's over. Oh yeah. And so I'm like, I'm not changing the channel at all for any reason. And now this person is much more important to me than any. Uh, you know, mechanism, any logistics, any relationship model. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's much more valuable and meaningful 
for me to be with this person in in any way. And so including and now now getting more and more value out of like like, you know, instead of being with more than one person and not to say that, of course, if you're polyamorous, if you're in long term open relationships, you can also gain deep meaning being with a person, multiple people. But I mean, I find the deep the deep meaning in this deep connection uh, so abundant that I like I am your, I, my, my cup is full and there's nothing that ne- I, I am not missing anything. But if she came one day and said, like, I'm da- let's do a thing or try for a night or for a month. It's like we can have some more water, but like this, I don't need more water, but we can have more different. We can have different water. Yeah, we can have a we can. I'm, You're I'm, better than, with analogies. Yeah, 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 we're open. We're open to discussing whatever we're experiencing sure. in a moment, in a time. I want to ask you about the, um, you know, I because I find myself in. I mean, I'm hoping I am in the place you were when she went down a different path momentarily. Uh, sure. Uh, I hope I'm in it because if, so if it never yeah. comes back around, then I'm not in that. It's just over. Mm-hmm. So that would be sadder. Um, did you ever feel regret during that away time? Or did you feel like, no, this is the decision I needed to make where I was when that happened? Uh, I don't think I felt regret at that. I mean, maybe a little at times. Like, like maybe the, could I have done them? Could I have just done that? Uh, yeah, mm. I, I mean, I don't think I, I, mm. I think the answer is that I couldn't have done it at that time. Like, I think looking back, of course, it's very easy to say it all happened a, the only way that it could and the quote unquote right way. But yeah, I think that it was also kind of important for me and valuable for me. I'd been kind of serially both monogamous and non-monogamous for most of my, like, my adult life, like from my early to mid 20s, I'd say from my mid 20s until this relationship, there was very little time that I was not in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I would say, like talking like a couple months, maybe maximum, like where I'd be, you know, also dating people or like, you know, yeah. g- hooking up or going out, whatever. And I had some friends that were all like, why don't you try being, you know, anytime a breakup, I'm like, why not be single for a little while? And I'm like, because it's fun to do the, you know, I mean, and it meant like single, like just yeah. with yourself, be with yourself, figure yourself out. And so there was a time, like the woman that I was dating right before uh, I met Rini, my partner now, uh, when she and I broke up, I was like, I had started, like that was an open relationship. I had started seeing Rini in that initial phase, you know, in an open, mm-hmm. in a casual, uh, structured way. And I'm glad that in in one way, I'm glad that we didn't immediately just become a relationship uh, because I was like, okay, I'm going to do at least the equivalent as close as I can to not being in another substantial long term relationship committed or no. Mm -hmm. And so there was at least, uh, you know, from, I don't know, summer 2016 through almost a year where I didn't have a girl, I didn't have a girlfriend. Mm. And that was like the longest time in my adult life up like from when I was 23, probably that I didn't have a girlfriend, like I, the better part of a year. And, and it included like that time, like when, when Rini was there, when I was with her, I was like, I still had like the love equivalent of, I was like, Oh, this is like, the person that I love, like I love this person. Mm. I, I've regard, even if we're not boyfriend and girlfriend, even if we're not 
a, com- a committed or un- we're not a relationship. But but then when she was away for those months, I was like, oh, I I have quote unquote nothing. I have the I have like n- that was and that was valuable. Like it didn't feel great. It felt kind of I felt like rudderless. You know, I felt I was like I felt like I wasn't. I was like, I'm, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not. I'm not doing what I want to do. Like I love being in a meaningful partnership, but like looking back, I mean, she needed to do what she had to do, and I also like I was seeing a couple people during that time. Like I, I went on dates and yeah. and and they're and they're again cool people. If you're listening, you're cool. But you know, <laughs> there are people. I mean, some of them were in other open relationships. Like, you know, they, they weren't. Nobody nobody that I was seeing, like, wanted, like, none of us wanted a full-time relationship. And and that was good for that time. But, like, emotionally, I really felt, like, I was, I did, like, to answer your question, I did feel like I, mi- I missed her. I missed her a lot. And I wanted to be with her. And you missed her more than that other monogamous woman who, like, y'all had to go oh, different ways, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're just different people. S- same situation, different. One, you're like, oh, you know, take care, go. The other one's like, I'm having trouble. I- I'm rudderless. I'm having trouble living without you around here. Yeah. I mean, and I, so being where I was, where potentially you are now, like, sense. I also didn't know if she ever would return i thought i was like well i guess i'll there was like another woman who i had also like had strong feelings for over the last several years who was an open relationship person but due to other uh confounding factors like we end it ended that she was no longer romantically interested in me at a time that i was romantically interested in her and i was Mm -hmm. like oh no that's but i that's not what i wanted uh and so there was a it was va- it was valuable to not get exactly what I wanted in the there was one moment where with that woman and with the other woman that I was seeing uh I was talking uh with a good friend about it and I was like oh man I don't know what it's is it going to be this person is it going to be this person is it going to be some combination and like he's like eventually when he knew the partnership that I have now he's like yeah, at the time you were like, is it going to be A or B? And you're like, you didn't know it was going to be like completely unknown, like a person you hadn't even met or considered or mm-hmm. imagined as yet. I was like, oh, yeah, like we, of course, we never know what we don't know. We never know what the future is like. You might you might connect with this person again. You might tomorrow meet the next best, not the next best, but the <laughs> the consecutive following best person that you've ever uh met compatibly like in a place to be with you in the exactly the ways that you want to be and discover uh but yeah that i i also found that you know like i'm in part being with this person i mean like being with this person that i'm with now is beautiful and wonderful and i'm so grateful all the time every day and also i understand you know like i mean I'm now more terrified than ever than I've ever been before about I'm like, oh, no, one of like unless we both die at the exact same time, like one of us is going to be so sad. Mm -hmm. And like, I think I was like high one. I was like eating an edible (laughs) and I was like, 
oh no i'm like ball i'm like tearing up now just like reliving that and i'm like i can talk about it intellectually now and like that's part of part of a lifelong relationship it's like realizing like one day mom dies Mm -hmm. and you go like Oh, fuck. And then it's like really sad. Oh, yeah. My my grandmother, who I was very close to, died at 91, two years ago. And I think about her and I talk about her on stage. And I mean, she's I talk about her and think about her mo- much more now than I did when she was alive. You know, yeah. I would have sometimes weekly conversations with her that were like five minutes. She didn't love talking all the time. Like I did a podcast with her. I got her to talk for two hours and that was good. But uh yeah, I mean. So especially because like in Buddhism, they say something like, you know, next lifetime guaranteed, next breath not guaranteed, you know, and so that's that's what makes every breath precious, you know, that that we have them every moment with this person, every every bit of life that we're both alive and know each other. Like I want to, you know, squeeze the most out of. I feel you on that, man. That's, uh, I feel like I was supposed to, I told you, I think, I think before we started, I was like, ah, I've been meaning to have you on. I didn't want to put you in. And, uh, I, cause I think I was like, I want to know why to have you on beyond just like talking poly. And I think I was supposed to talk to you now. It's real nice. It feels good. It, it feels very uh, good. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming by. Of course. Do you have a, it, it kind of, you, you mentioned kind of, you allude to that thing that I, you, you learned it from being high. I learned it from dance. That was the whole, like, you know, either, either, you know, um, every relationship ends, either like you break up or someone dies. Uh, so speaking of which, do you have an extra like 10 minutes, a little do a Patreon bonus episode? Happy to. If you got, yeah. I was thinking maybe we can talk, uh, as, as, Long time Savage Love listeners, maybe uh, exchange some things we've learned from the the man in Seattle. Of course. Um, so I'm sure we've got some stuff we can share. But for now, um, where can people go to follow you, find you? Uh, I know we have a to-be-announced uh, release date for a stand-up special you got coming yes. out. Um, I'll remind listeners... Uh, when when that's announced, I will be sure to let them know. But for now, where, where can they follow you at, man? Of course. Uh, so... Mike Kaplan is my name, spelled M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N. If you put that into anywhere you think you would find a comedian, <laughs> you'll find me on social media, my website, my albums on all the various streaming and downloadable platforms. Right. My most recent one's called AKA, as, as we speak now. And so I'd recommend that is, as it is my most recent, it is the one that I'm happiest and proudest and most representative of who I am now. Do you have, specials, do you have anything on Netflix right now? Uh, my, the, I did have a special on Netflix that is now on Amazon, and that is uh, Small, Dork, and Handsome. And uh, I do have two podcasts of my own. Uh, one is Broccoli and Ice Cream, where I talk to guests uh, about the works and joys of their life. And the other is The Faucet. Uh, where I just spout off on my own for a while, like this, but if you weren't here. Uh, and <laughs> Without those pesky Billy interjections, that's the faucet. This was, yeah. this was an episode of The Faucet where Billy kind of accidentally chimed <laughs> in. Oh, it's, yeah. it's uh, welcome and invited. Uh, I, it's always nice to have new you know, f- friends to bounce ideas off of. And, uh, and then I also do have a uh, – I send out a weekly – newsletter with a few jokes and other like fun little units for free and you can also subscribe for more and i'll i'll answer advice questions i'll share like long rhymes and poems that i've written just like different creations uh but at least once a week for free and that's at mike kaplan.substack.com and you know you can find 
you're online right now. You're listening to a thing. I think that's, uh, you know, I'm on tour. I go places. My dates are on my website. And, uh, yeah, and I'm excited for the Dry Bar special that's coming out at some point, hopefully as soon as possible. And I appreciate your your having me and sharing uh, all the me possible. <laughs> well, I much appreciate it, man. Well, uh, Patreon folks, you'll hear that tomorrow, but uh, some more tomorrow. But for now, Mike, uh, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody as he uh, finishes down <laughs> from a comically large New York Jets tumbler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it has a picture of a jet and everything. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that I, I finished the water right at the end. Uh, it's time to go. And uh, so thank you for having me. Thank you for listening, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't you don't want to be done yet. I know it's the end. This is the outro. You're like, Billy, what why would I keep listening? It's just plugs from here on out. Not always, okay? At the end of this little outro, I'm gonna give you a clip of my bonus episode with Mike Kaplan. Did you like my convo with Mike Kaplan? I gotta imagine this invokes some shit in a lot of you. I gotta imagine you all have some things to say. Uh, you have some ways in which you can relate to these subjects that you would want to share. And I think you should share them with Fanhorn Nation in the Champagne Room. Yes, our super free, super awesome, super fun, super sex positive Discord server. Shout out, by the way, to those of you who are inviting your friends who don't even know who I am into the server. I think that's why it's become such a hustling and bustling community of over 500 like-minded individuals. And in the Champagne Room, we do have an episode discussion channel in, where you can talk about all the Man Whore Podcast episodes, the most recent ones, old ones if you're binging. We just got this comment from a user, Princess Peach. She's writing about an episode that's like a year old. She wrote, just listen to 395. It takes a lot to gross me out, but Billy Presida, you have succeeded. Your story about the year-old cum in the water bottle in the car was just descriptive enough to make me gag over the dead animal smell. I am thankful that I have nothing further to contribute to that discussion. <laughs> oh yeah, the time I picked up Amy, the, the Christian chick from Texas, and uh, after she blew me in the car and she spat it in a water bottle and we tossed it in the back seat, and I forgot that it was there for a very long time until I needed some water. Thank you, Princess Peach, for that uh, little little stroll down memory lane. And uh, we would love to know your thoughts about this episode and other episodes in the Champagne Room. Link in the show notes. But you can join us on Discord at manwhorepod.com slash Discord. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the folks at Mindful Sex Ed. It is a fun podcast uh, that tackles sex ed to adults topic by topic they had me on i don't normally shout out every podcast i appear on but i had so much fun chatting with lulu and laura about uh, all things group sex a lot, a lot of gangbang and sex party talk so if you just want to hear dedicated gangbang i must have done 40 minutes on gangbangs crazy and i still had more to say when we had the mics off but uh, i'll have a link in the show notes um but you should check out my episode of mindful sex ed really really fun time i had next week's episode everybody is with and you heard me talk about him i think a couple weeks back but next week's episode is with congressional candidate mike itkiss who as i shared uh, in a previous episode released an adult film he made on Pornhub as a campaign video. 
You're going to enjoy this one, everybody. But until then, enjoy this teaser of my bonus episode with Mike Kaplan. If you're digging it, if you're curious, if you want to hear more, you can gain access to that bonus episode, as well as nearly 300 other bonus episodes at patreon.com slash podcast. That's Patreon. You know how to spell it. I do it every week. Dot com slash podcast. But for now, everybody, get cuffin' and stay slutty. Like, in college, I think, was the first time I dated someone who, like, had a dildo or, like, had a, a vibrator that she wanted to and I think needed for orgasm. And I, while I was with her, like, that was, uh, it worked. And also, it was my first experience with it and didn't have, like, any of, like, the sex-positive education that I would come to, like, gain from Dan Savage and continuing to live. And so I was, like, a little, at the time... I was like, oh, like weirded out or like maybe, I don't know. Uh, I, I wasn't like, what, you, I'm not enough? But I was just like, oh, it, it seemed like a lot. It seemed, I was like, oh, no, like, is this going to be what it's going to be every time is the way that I felt when I was a foolish young man. And I'm like, this was a cool person who just, and, you know, the various people that I've been with, there's people like all across the spectrum of like how easy and in what 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 the quality and quantity and manner of orgasm was um and so like learning that eventually was very valuable like to know that just like the experience i had with my high school girlfriend when i was 17 that's not the only way it is the experiences i had in college that's not the only way it is to know that there's that variety is the norm and that you know to be with a person like you know if if you want to be with a person like get to know that person specifically